teach him to miss those harmonica lessons, all right? Very good. Turn, if you would, tonight to Acts chapter 2. Turn this up, please, just a little bit, Teresa. Acts chapter 2. For those of you who were not here this morning, I shared with the church family that I had a two-hour message tonight, but I had condensed it down to 20 minutes, and only one person in the church said, well, I'd like to hear the two-hour version. So I guess the rest of you would like to hear the 20-minute version. And based upon that response, I'm going to stretch this out as long as I can. Attitude matters, all right? Attitude matters. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight. Lord, I thank you for the music that we've enjoyed. I thank you, Lord, for the uh, singing that we've been able to participate in. And, Lord, I'm thankful that we can come together as a body of Christ and that we can have uh, fellowship together this evening. I pray that you would bless now uh, this time in your word, that you'd use it to be a help to each of us. Uh, Lord, however you would need to speak to our hearts, we would be thankful for that. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight I'm going to begin with just a couple of thoughts, and I'm going to illustrate it as best I can, and then we're going to spend just a few moments in the text this evening that I'll uh, be more specific on in just a couple of moments. But tonight I want to begin by having us think about this truth, that every one of us do certain things for different reasons. All right, every one of us do certain things for different reasons. And one of the reasons that we do some of the things that we do is because we feel a need to do those things. You understand what I'm saying? This needs to be done, and so we feel the need to do it, so we do it. Now, as that is so, I know that you understand this. I trust that you understand this anyways that sometimes that need can be from a negative or from a positive aspect. Are we following this? I want us to hear this, all right? Somebody says something like this, well, I need to stop by and visit them. Well, I need to give them a call. But they may say something like this in addition to that. Man, I don't want to. Man, I know I need to call them, but I don't want to. I know it's going to result in a long conversation. I know I'm going to hear some of the same stories I've heard. I know that it's just going to be some of the the, the same venom that I've heard in the past. Man, I don't want to, but I know I need to. Just this week, I, I knew that I needed to call someone from back home where I'm from. And, and i got to be honest and tell you, I didn't want to. Oh, I didn't want to. Everything within me was saying, ah, don't do it, do it later, don't, you know, you can worry about it some other time. But the more I tried to put it off, it, was the, it just felt like, you know, the Lord was saying more and more, no, you, you need to give them a call. And so I gave them a call, and we had a nice visit, and, and I was glad that I did it. But again, really, I did it from a negative pressure, so to speak, from a, a feeling that was not too positive, Now, at the same time, we also understand this to be true, that sometimes we do things out of the need because we're excited about it or because our attitude is positive toward it. What do I mean? Okay. Have you ever tried to get together with people, but the schedules just weren't working out? 
you finally made it work, you finally got together, and you had a wonderful time together. And so as the evening was about to come to a close, as you were about to go your separate ways, your separate directions, you may have said something like this, well, that was a lot of fun. We need to do this more often. We need to get together more often. It's, it's not out of, eh, we probably ought to do this. Yeah, we need to go see them. It's more of this attitude of, man, that was good. Boy, we needed that. And we need to do that some more, and we need to do it more frequently. Now, as we think about that, we'll come back to that in a few moments. But tonight I want us to think for just a couple more moments about our schedules about our schedules. If I had to bet, if I had to guess, here is what I would assume. That most of you, as I've said before, most of you feel like you have pretty full lives with pretty busy schedules. There have always been and there will always be lazy people, correct? But for the most part, you and I would not categorize ourselves as lazy individuals. You and I would categorize ourselves as busy people, people who have much going on, people with many plans for the upcoming days. So tonight, if we were to take just a few moments and let people stand and tell us what you've got going on this week, you would say, man, I've got to get this taken care of. I've got this looking at me tomorrow first thing. Whenever I get to work, I've got to take care of this with the kids. I've, I've got to do this for my parents. Whatever it may be, you would look at yourself, you would look at your life, and you would look at your schedule, and you would say, this is a busy, busy week coming up. Well, we know this to be true. We're not the first generation of busy people. If you and I tonight would take time to visit with our parents or our grandparents, you know what they would say of their working days and the years that they had available to them to to enjoy life? You know what they would say? They would say this. Boy, we were busy. It seemed like we were always going nonstop. It seemed like we had this going on and this taking place. We were running you here. We were doing this. We were involved in this. We were engaged in this. I worked 60 hours a week, whatever the testimony may be. But if you and I were able to talk to our parents and our grandparents tonight, most of them would say, yeah, we've had pretty busy, full lives because that seems to be the nature of life, correct? So if we were to go back 100 years, you know, back when life was simpler, you would not talk to people who would say something like this, man, we were bored all the time. We had nothing to do, you know. I mean, all we got to do was wake up early, go out and milk the cows and feed the chickens, you know, go out and work the field. But we were just bored, so we just took care of animals all the time for fun. That's not what they would say, right? They were busy. They were active. Their lives were full, and and they had much going on. Were they running to baseball games for the kids? Were they doing little league sports with the kids? Were they going to cheerleading camps and all that other stuff? Well, probably not 100 years ago. But I promise you, if we went back 100 years ago and we said, okay, did you have anything going on? They would say, well, certainly we had stuff going on. We had many things taking place in our lives. Brother Randy, if you would, step out real quick, please. Your friends just showed up. They went to the right. They went to the right. Sorry, it's 
his friends that he was looking for earlier, so I wanted to know they made it. Now, if you were to go back any amount of time, here's what you would discover. People have always been busy. You understand this? So not one of us are the exception to the rule if we think we're busy people. We've always been busy. Well, how far back could we take that principle? Well, we could take it back at least a couple thousand years ago. To like the days of the Apostle Paul, to Peter, to James, to John, to those apostles who traveled with Christ. I mean, people back then, did the schedules look different? Yes. But I can promise you this, the Apostle Paul never sat around and said to someone like Titus or to some other individual who traveled with him, I can promise you, Paul never, just never said, man, I'm bored. Man, I'm bored. Didn't happen. Peter never said, I know, guys, I am so bored, too. I, I wish we lived in a more advanced time where we had more activity going on. Those were not conversations that took place. Now, why do I mention that? Well, in Acts chapter 2, here is what many of us are familiar with. Here is what many of us are aware of. That this is the account of Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost when some 3,000 souls were saved. All right, 3,000 souls saved in one day, and on a regular basis, people were being added unto the church. Now, that is something that you and I cannot comprehend. That is something that our minds cannot grasp. We can't imagine 3,000 people ever assembling at our church, much less it taking place in one day and then continuing for the days and weeks to come, correct? All right, but this is happening, and and understand this is happening to real live people with real live lives. And they've got things to do. They've got places to be, things that need to be accomplished. There, there is much to do in their lives. And it's interesting that with these new converts, with these people who have just recently been saved, notice what it says in verse number 42 of Acts chapter 2. It says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What does it mean for them to have remained or to have continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine? Well, it means this, that there was a need for these new converts to be grounded and established in the faith because many of them, it was very new to them, this whole idea of Christianity, right? So they continued steadfastly. So what does it mean for them to have continued steadfastly? Well, there are a couple of different opinions as to what this statement means. One of the opinions would be this, that as a result of their salvation, that here is what they did, those who were truly saved, they continued or they remained steadfast or unmovable in the doctrine or what the apostles had taught them by way of what we would refer to as biblical scriptural truths. Now, that's a good thing, is it not? It is a wonderful thing when someone is saved, when they are exposed to the truths of God's Word, and they continue in them. 
far too many times this is what happens and this is what salvation looks like for so many people, which makes you question whether or not it's true salvation. But a person makes a testimony of salvation, yet they do not remain steadfast and unmovable in the truths they have been taught. So they claim salvation, they claim a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and yet you never see a real change in their behavior, you never see a real change in their manner of life, which again should send up the red flags making you question, did true salvation ever take place? But there is another school of thought also as it relates to this statement that they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine, that it means this, or it implies this, that on a regular basis, the converts were coming together so that they might be taught the apostles' doctrine. Because they understood we don't know all there is to know and we don't grasp everything we need to grasp. And so there is this school of thought, there is this idea, there is this opinion that what that statement means then is this, is that these converts would come together for the purpose of discipleship, being taught the scriptural, biblical truths they needed to be made aware of, and then they would continue in them. Now somebody might say, well, what would make people think that, that they came together on a regular basis? Well, verse number 46. It says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple... So in verse number 6 it says, Continuing daily with one accord, or in a spirit of unity, they continued in the temple. So the idea seems to be that if you piece this together, that on a daily basis the believers were coming together to the temple where they were still very much allowed to worship, where they were still very much allowed to assemble and and to gather and for the Scripture to be declared. It is believed by many, and this makes perfect sense when you're dealing with new converts, that they would come to the house of God, they would come to the temple, and there they could be taught and instructed in the ways of Scripture, in the ways of spiritual knowledge and truth. So why did these people do this? Well, you know, Brother Kyle, it was a simpler time back then. They had nothing else to do. Well, you know, Brother Kyle, I mean, it, unemployment was rampant in Jerusalem at the time. And, you know, the, just people had nothing else to, to fill their days with. So as a result of their salvation, it was just easy for them to go to the temple. Is that right? Well, no. These people were no different than you and I, though the schedules looked different. They had a full life. They had a busy life. They had much that occupied their lives. So why would they, on a daily basis make their way as new converts to the temple. It's actually very simple. They obviously saw a need for it. There was something within them that as a child of God, they recognized a need to be in the house of God where the truth of God's word was being declared. Now, friends, if they did not see a need to be in the house of God, they could have come up with a hundred different reasons as to why they couldn't make it to the temple, why they couldn't make it to the house of God to hear the preaching and to hear the declaration of the word. If they did not see this as a necessity, if they did not see this as something that needed to be priority in their lives, I can promise you they could have come up with other excuses as to why they couldn't make it to the temple that day so as to be taught the Scripture to be taught the doctrine of the apostles. 
So why were they in the house of God? Why were they in the temple? Why did they assemble where the teaching and the preaching would take place? Because they saw the need of it. You know what I couldn't help but think about this week as I was preparing for this message and I was thinking about Christianity today? You know, the, the, the truth of the matter is this, is that none of us know it all yet. Now, I, I'm sure that there's a vast range of biblical knowledge and scriptural understanding in the room tonight, but I don't care who we are, I don't care what position we hold, I don't care how long we've been in the house of God, the truth remains that not one of us knows everything there is to know about the truths of God's Word. And so you and I then cannot deny that something that is beneficial to the child of God is for us to assemble where the preaching and the teaching and the declaration of the Word of God takes place. It is beneficial for me, it is beneficial for you, and there is not one child of God who is not benefited by the assembling of ourselves together for the teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. Now let's listen to this, okay, because this is so very important. While it is essential to our Christian lives, while it is something that we need to engage in, you know who the ones are who participate in the assemblings faithfully? It's the ones who see the need of it. Why did people get up and come to church this morning? Wherever they assemble, why did people get up and, and go through the motions? Well, I know that there are many different things that would have motivated them to do that, but I would hope that for most of them, what motivated them was this, is that they saw the need to be in the house of God. That in the house of God, I will be taught what I need to be taught. I will hear by way of the preaching what needs to be uh, you know, given in my life. The ones who see the need to be in the house of God are the ones who make it to the house of God. And oddly enough, the ones who do not see the need to be in the house of God have a hundred different excuses for why they can't make it to the house of God. They don't really see a need. Well, you know, we were going to be there, but oh, shucks, you know. One of the kids had a runny nose, so the family of five had to stay home. Now, see, you found an excuse is what you did because you don't really see a need to be in the house of God. Well, you know, we were going to need or we were going to be in the house of God today, but I tell you what, man, I was just so tired. Man, I, oh, I was just exhausted. So, you know, I just, I didn't make it to the house of God. Friends, I'm telling you, whenever people don't want to be in the house of God, when they don't see the need of it, they'll always, always, always be able to find an excuse. And I'm just telling us, the scripture shows us that when people want to be in the house of God, they'll make a way to be in the house of God. People really don't go to church because they have nothing else to do. They certainly don't show up on a Sunday night because they have nothing else to do, and they certainly aren't faithful on Wednesday nights because they have nothing else to do. They do it because they see the need. Now, 
Somebody says, well, you're just preaching to a, a group of people, and you're just trying to get them to all come to church. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, why wouldn't we want Christians to be in the house of God, right? Well past the fish fry, I want people to be in the house of God because we need to be there. But there's more to it than that. And this is really where the message takes shape and is to be applied for us tonight, even though the first part could help. It says in verse number 42 that these new converts, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and what? And fellowship. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So they came together, the scripture would imply, for the observance of the Lord's Supper, and they would take you know, part in that at the appropriate times, and they would pray with one another. But it says they came together for fellowship. What does it mean whenever the word fellowship is used? It means this, to come together to associate with one another. To just spend time with one another. In verse number 46, it tells you that not only did they do it, but the spirit in which they did it. It says, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. They got together and what did they do? They ate. And they did so with gladness. They did so with joy. They did so with the sense of being merry. And they did it with singleness of heart or a purity of heart. What did they do? They got together just to enjoy the fellowship one with another. So, first century church, why did you get together and eat bread? Why did you get together in fellowship? Why did you get together at people's houses? Why did you get together as a church family? Why did you do that? You had nothing else to do? No, 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 no. They would have said in this day and time in which we're living in, the, re the reality is this, we need the fellowship. We need the fellowship. Someone says, well, you're reading too much into it. No, I'm not, because if they didn't see a need for it, they wouldn't have done it. They realize there is some benefit to this. They realize that this helps me. They realize that I might be able to be a help to them, whoever the people were involved. And so here they are. They are getting together at different times for the preaching of the Word of God, for the teaching of the Apostles' doctrine, because they saw a need for it. And at the same time, they recognized, you know, in this world that we live in, back then they thought it was wicked and ungodly. They were looking around saying, we need the fellowship. And they enjoyed the fellowship. But for those of us who are part of this church family, you know what we call this, even though the date is wrong for us this month. We call this our fifth Sunday fellowship. This is our fifth Sunday get-together. Well, why are we doing this, Brother Kyle? Is it because every year we take a fishing trip and we've got to eat the fish and, and we've got to justify the fishing trip? No, 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 no. The fishing trip is part of the fun that we have as a church body, but we like to do it so that we can bring the fish back and fellowship. Listen. 
I need the fellowship of the believers of this assembly tonight. I need it. It is a necessity for me. And if the fellowship for you tonight is not viewed as a necessity on your part, you might want to stop and consider that the fellowship is a necessity on the part of someone else. So therefore, you need to help meet the need of the other person with the fellowship that you provide in the fellowship tonight, fellowshipping. Isn't that wonderful? So see, and here in just a few moments, we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to dismiss, and we're going to head back to the back, and, and, and people are going to be standing around. Because that's what we do sometimes when we're uncomfortable. We just kind of stand around. Okay, see, we're doing this not just out of routine, not just out of ritual, not because we don't have someplace else we could be tonight, not because we don't have a full week staring us in the face tomorrow. We are doing this tonight because it is needed. It is a needed thing. There is not one person in this church who is a child of God. There is not one person in this church who does not need the fellowship tonight. If they needed it 2,000 years ago, I can promise you we need it tonight. So when we dismiss in a few minutes, I'm just going to walk you through this real quick. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to have about 30 minutes to kill at least. 30 minutes. Yes, I've said before, we've all waited 30 minutes for good food, and we've all waited 30 minutes for bad food. So waiting a few minutes isn't going to kill us, right? All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to be dismissed, and the men are going to immediately begin cooking, and it's going to be ready as quick as we can. And we're going to sit down, and here's what I hope we do. I hope in that 30 minutes we see the need to fellowship, to get around and talk with people that we've never met before, to get around and talk with people we don't know. I hope we see the need to be a blessing to someone else because, in turn, we will be blessed by being that blessing. Whenever the food is served, we're going to call everybody in. We're going to say, hey, it's time to start going through the line. And when you go sit down, here's what you're going to do. You're going to be seated across from someone, and I hope it's someone you don't know. I really do. I hope it's someone that you don't know so that you can get to know someone else here in this community, someone in this church, and, and, and get to know them and see the need of having some quality fellowship tonight. This coming week, you and I will rub shoulders enough with the unsaved, the ungodly, the immoral, the wicked. We need the fellowship tonight. So I hope you attend the fellowship this evening because we need the fellowship. And you can attend with one of two attitudes. I don't want to, but I need to. Preacher said I need to, so I guess I'm going to go ahead and do it. You're right, you need to, bad attitude or not. But oh, how much better it would be and how much more profitable it would be if we did it with gladness and singleness of heart. Oh, man, this is good. This is good. We don't have a motive here. We don't have an agenda here. We're not looking to do anything here tonight except enjoy the fellowship of God's people, breaking some bread, and rather than going to each other's house, because none of you have invited me, 
Rather than house to house, we're just going to do it here at the Lord's house, and we're going to enjoy it. I hope we don't rush off. I hope we stay late. And we get, when we get home tonight, I hope we say, Lord, thank you for the fellowship because I needed it, whether I realized it or not. All right? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening. Lord, I am thankful that we can look at the example even of this first church that was started there in Jerusalem some 2,000 years ago. I'm thankful that we can see their example where they saw the need to expose themselves to the preaching of the Word of God. They saw the need to continue steadfast in that. But Lord, I'm thankful that you showed us, it's no accident, you showed us that they also saw a need to have fellowship. And God, I pray that you'd bless this time together. I pray that we would take advantage of it. I pray that you'd help us to realize tonight that there are people in other countries who would love to have the fellowship, but because of oppression, they're not able to. God, we are a blessed, blessed people. And I pray that tonight we would do this with gladness and singleness of heart. And Lord, that when we leave and we go home this evening, we will be able to say, thank you, Lord, we needed that. So God, I pray that you'd bless in the activities ahead. Thank you for your great provision on our behalf. I pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen.